<laughs> I have I have a, a bunch that I still need to see. Um, I have one called Nico Nade about a Japanese businessman finding and adopting a kitten, but he's like an asshole, so he tries to hide it. So that sounds okay. promising. <laughs> I don't, why does he try to hide the cat? I don't know. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it Japan. is Japan. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, let's just get right into it. Uh, first, I want to say thank you, Matthew, for being on the show with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, of course. And as always, we've got uh, Janko with us. Say hello, Janko. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Maggie's here, too. She's becoming a prominent hey. member of the Critically Optimistic crew. And uh, You're stuck with yeah, me. I was just going to say, just get used to her, because she's going to be around. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, is, she is a member at this point. So <laughs> Yeah, she is a member. She's a very important member. And... Today, we have a great opinion piece coming for our October month. We're going to be talking about... Maggie, what was it called again? Elevated Horror. Elevated Horror. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Elevated Horror. I'm going to give my opinion maybe later on, but I want to hear mostly from you. I want to hear from Matthew, and I also want to hear from Janko. Um, maybe, Matthew, do you want to start off with telling us what your opinion on Elevated Horror is, and possibly just giving us a brief description about it? Well, from what I understand of Elevated Horror, it seems to be synonymous with you know the idea of art house horror or art, you know, art house cinema where a lot of philosophical concepts and character development and you know almost literary whatever you'd prefer call literary level ideas are explored mm -hmm. sometimes it can be abstract concepts sometimes it can be very you know overall very human ideas but as for what i think of it i think it's just another label there's something very similar to it in the comics medium mm -hmm. where you know instead of calling something a comic you'll call it a graphic novel and in that particular case it was used by the markets to you know make some mature whatever that is or adult audiences feel better reader audiences feel better about you know reading basically comic books which have been you know historically considered to be for children even though that in of itself is, is a whole other complicated matter. Yeah. What's interesting is I was reading a Vanity Fair article not too long ago called, this was the decade horror got quote-unquote elevated, and there seems to be this intimation that a production company like A24 has been associated with the whole concept of elevated horror. Maybe not consciously as a marketing strategy, but these, you know, the, the kind of mentality is associated there. And like I said, as for my opinion on it, again, to reiterate that, I think that it is, it's mm -hmm. just a, a label to attempt to make some people feel better about looking at a genre that's often, from a certain period of time, been looked down upon. Okay. That, or again, some kind of marketing ploy. But... I think, again, it's just, it's a form, it's basically just a way to legitimize someone or give someone an excuse to watch a genre that's been historically looked down upon. So there you go. But do you think its significance even should exist in today's day and age, or should we just move past what has been created, uh, get people to look back on a genre? 
You mean you think that um, the, the the usage of elevated horror in and of itself should even be used anymore? Mm. Um, yeah. I think it makes, well, obviously for a very good discussion piece, if you want to have a whole bunch of people state their opinions, but I think that it can also tie into the entire idea of what is, you know, genre itself. Yeah. Because what I find very fascinating about the horror genre is how plastic it is, how malleable everything is. It's constantly reinventing itself. Like, you just look at your, your basic franchises, like uh, Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street, and you try to look at it in terms of a continuity, it might just break your brain <laughs> for a while because different things are happening at different times. Eventually, there's something that approximates a continuity after a while, but I've always seen horror movies as mythologies, and mythology changes over time. I mean, it's complicated by the fact that you have the commercial element in there. But, um, no, I think that Elevated Horror as a serious label or something, you know, of its own classification is something that should be questioned. It shouldn't just be taken for granted as, oh, this is, this is obviously ele Elevated Horror here. I just think that it's a very good way to start a very charged conversation amongst uh, fan bases and critics and whatnot. But you have to take it with a, a grain of salt. That was really good. Uh, really good, like, yeah. opinion piece on what you think. I, I'm, uh, there's things, actually, I want to touch on with what you were saying. Sure. But I think I want to break it up past. I'm going to give the floor to Maggie to see if you have any differing opinion, even if it's slight, uh, Maggie. Um, I, I tend to agree with him. Um, I really don't like the term. I find it really pretentious. I would say that I s kind of first started noticing the term around when Robert Eggers, the witch came out mm -hmm. and that that's when that gets kind of lumped in there. Like the witch, basically anything Eggers does that's horror gets thrown in there. And then Ari Aster as well, um, who did Hereditary, which I've been in many a online heated conversation about because i don't like that movie i feel it's just a drama with really poorly tacked on horror elements yeah um, it kind of takes a big twist around like the the major end where it almost changes its genre and that's a whole conversation right. we could have for another time but i do i actually see where you're coming right. from with the, like genre yeah, bending. yeah it bends the heck out of yeah. that movie um yeah so i i i feel it's just a title for people who don't like horror films mm. To feel okay watching a horror film because they can be like, oh, well, it's not just any horror movie, it's an elevated horror movie. But when you really think about it, all these films that they're they're pointing out always have some kind of social recent event kind of element that plays into it, topic-wise. Way that whether it be, you know, just the changing of opinions over time or something else like that but i i kind of feel like horror's already done that as a genre as a whole yeah um because real life has always influenced the horror genre whether people realize it or not like a good example would be they live by john carpenter like i don't see how you couldn't see that as um i guess elevated because of its yeah elevated horror yeah because of its um 
I don't want to say political content, mm-hmm. but it was it was very much a critique of what was <laughs> happening. Of its time for sure. You know, at the time, and John Carpenter didn't like it, so he made a film about it. And it, I think it's kind of it just <sighs> elevated is just an unnecessary term, in my opinion, because psychological kind of falls in with a lot of what that genre or what people think is elevated. So I think there already are subgenres that do exist that would be better suited for those films. Yep. I just think because those are like classically horror genres that people who don't like horror want something that they can cling to as their own as that excuse. But I don't think there's anything wrong with watching genre films like at the end of the day if you find that term valid that's your opinion and you're more than welcome to have it and i'm i'm kind of done like fighting with people about it um yeah but personally i've never had a fight with anyone about it obviously because i i don't don't talk to those people but um janko do you are you under the same umbrella as uh matthew and uh, Maggie. I feel I am. I I, I too cons- think it is a quite pretentious way of uh, calling it elevated. Uh, granted, I I haven't really heard this phrase uh, before we started planning this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the phrase is kind of new to me. I wasn't I was not aware that it was referred to that. But I which I which agree. almost begs the question though. Sorry to cut you off. Is mm-hmm. if it's been slightly regionalized like over in American region and Canada and stuff like that. It could be that it's, 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 it, it's a very regionalized thing, as you say. But I, I have, I have like, usually I notice that all these elevated horror films, they follow under a, a similar pattern. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have, they're presented good. They look good. But I've noticed that they have a lot of good, clever ideas, but the substance is so very small that you really don't notice much impact of that film uh, an example is uh, i watched us by uh, jordan peele it was an okay film but at the end of the day i i don't really have that much effect from the film uh, i can't I, I can't recall what what happened at that film because it wasn't it didn't give such a huge impact to me and i feel that to be the same way for pretty much any elevated horror films and while I do enjoy some, like The Witch and Midsummer, it is a required taste, but I don't think it should be called elevated horror for the sake of, what's it called, like pandering to a wider audience because they don't enjoy horror, uh, which is stupid because it should just be under the, the same genre. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I definitely under the same branch as, as both you, uh, Maggie and uh, Matthew. Matthew. Um, so... So, uh, you're getting my name confused now. Since that's the case, and I had a feeling that we were all going to be under the same umbrella here, is, uh, Matthew, you were saying that the elevated sense is just really art house subgenre, right? And art house subgenre has been around for a long time. So, would it be more preferred to just keep calling it art house? Because I feel like elevated was only created in the sense to make a audience that might have been turned away with really, really bad horror that was made in the early 2000s, inventing this genre that's already actually been invented before. And so you just put a new label on it and 
call it elevated horror to get people into the seats to see what heck it is. But really, it's the exact same thing. So in a sense, do any of you guys, and any of you can answer this at the, at the uh, same time, but do any of you guys know, because the art house, like I said, has been around for, uh, art house horror has been around for a long time. What are films before The Witch and stuff like that that fall under t- that I, category? I guess like like exploitation films to an extent or like film like directors such as like Pier Paolo Pasolini who like uh, showcase a wider story than what is usually the common norm Mm -hmm. like um, a horror film I would consider art house horror would be like Eraserhead or that's a good one yeah Yeah. Uh, maybe even some of the silence like Mm. Nosferatu or the cabinet of Dr. Caligari with their German expressionism. Yeah. Very, very kind of niche, you know, um, mm. with the art direction. I think Daughters of Darkness falls under that as well. What about you, Matthew? Well, if we go by the idea of art house horror, Suspiria definitely comes to mind as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. But what I find really fascinating about that, because, you know, I've been considering how horror is such a unique genre, at least in the cinematic sense, is that um, when you have these distinctions of, like, art house, you also have, because a few of us here are um, fans of, you know, your your grindhouse films, right? Some of which have been really <laughs> extensively reviewed by, you know, Joe Bob Briggs, right? With The Lost right. Drive and all of his previous shows as well. There's this interesting thing where another thing that could be considered to be art house horror, if you really go down to it, is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the very first one, Toby Hooper's creation. Like he had been pioneering a, a few things there, but at the same time, you look at the grindhouse elements, like what is grindhouse, and you look at technically low budget. It's been stereotyped at least as like low budget horror, with you know these grisly effects and everything associated with that particular image, but. I find that, and it also ties into my whole interest in myth-making, so it's funny because, like, a lot of, I actually, you know, really, um, I liked films such as, you know, Jordan Peele's Us and Ari Aster's Midsummer because, yes, there's a lot of aesthetics and a lot of stylized elements, but I liked the mythology that's in there, and I liked the exploration of, you know, the human element, but the thing is, is that there's I feel like there is a fine line between those two. It's not as defined as, you know, some critics or, you know, fans might like. I feel that there are, you know, concepts or ideas that are explored in what is, you know, arguably called Grindhouse that can bridge that gap between what is Grindhouse and what is Art House. And, you know, we can go into that all day, not just with regards to the horror genre, but, like, you know, cinema itself. But I feel like in some ways, there are some things that can be explored in a Grindhouse setting that they're, it's more experimental in a lot of ways. And, you know, whether or not it's because it's more popular or whatnot, we can also make the argument, you know, something more art house is for more elite and quote unquote cultivated audiences, as opposed to, you know, the commonality or the common vernacular of the, you know, the grindhouse. But I feel like 
you know, you could explore a lot of concepts in that grindhouse area. Like you're you're making this fine mess of mythologies, and then you're cultivating it into something else. I, I mean, I guess what it comes down to for me is I do like the idea of looking at something as you know. I think I would prefer to call something art house horror as opposed to elevated horror because elevated horror is particularly elitist and pretentious as all get out but i also feel like the horror genre's strengths are the fact that it can tear right into those visceral banal ridiculous sort of concepts and turn them to something sublime and utterly terrifying and i think that's what makes the horror genre in some ways at least in like again the cinematic sense different from the other genres that's also, you know, that's my opinion. Yeah. What I'm gathering from your opinion is that you quite enjoy art house uh, genre. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, not all of it. Like, sometimes you can see something that, you know, is all, as was mentioned before, that is all, you know, aesthetics and no substance. Yep. But then sometimes you get a moment, or, you know, it's, you know, navel gazing, and you don't get as much out of it as you might think or you know some you you want to the message might be a little too on the nose but then there are other times where if you can my favorite kind of horror that i find is like with midsummer for instance i like the concept of how they explore with the hair guy they explore empathy like performative or otherwise and when you get to a point for me my favorite kind of horror is when you get to a point where you empathize with a character and you see all the shit that they're going through whether something bad happens to them or something good happens to them towards like the end of the movie you're left with you know it's your old aristotelian catharsis right the whole poetics there where you're just left with wow uh, all that pity and fear and you're just left with like this strange kind of feeling even if it's left you're left with a somewhat unsettling sort of theory so like i guess in my long-winded kind of ways yeah i there are aspects of art house horror that I genuinely like. Whatever, you know, you'd argue art house horror to actually be. I mean, I like, you know, my chopping mall and stuff like that too. But I guess, like, I guess at the end of the day, I'd like art house horror if it's done well and it's relatable. To me, at least. Okay. I think most of us would feel the exact same. And the reason I brought up the question is because I think... For for me, I don't mind. I'm on the fence with art house more than maybe you a little bit. Is like there is half I enjoy, and then there's another half that I just go. Eh. And I'm not sure about Janko and Maggie. I'm not Maggie. Are you uh, keen on art house cinema? And I'm just calling it art house now because really, in my mind, and much to Matthew's, art house is its own thing. Do you think art house, or you think yeah. expand? Do you not think they're related? Um. <laughs> See, this is why I brought it up. So. That's kind of complicated (laughs) because I mean, I've seen a lot of like indie or like films that are classically considered like art house horror. And it it seems like a lot of them are French. Um, Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, So a lot of your like older French cinema, like I want to say I would kind of classify. Oh, what's the name? Eyes Without a Face. I think that's the title. Yeah. Um, I would consider that kind of art house. Mm-hmm. Even Unchen Andalou, 
you know, a horror, obviously, but it's also very art house. Like, I mean, it was done by Salvador Dali. I mean, that kind of kind of shows. So you're you're under the guise, though, that they're not exactly the same. No, not really. Because I've seen like straight art house movies like like experimental short films that fall under it or like other features. And I, I find the horror ones to be just maybe more visceral than some of the other ones. Hmm. They do play a lot with emotions or imagery, but I kind of don't think of it as it's, I think of it as like almost a separate genre in and of itself because art house stuff isn't normally that con- conventional all the time. Um, what about you, Janko? Cause I actually, I have a, uh, yeah. something I want to follow this up with, with Maggie, but I just want to know, like, do you feel, cause we got two different sort of opinions now. We've got Matthews and then we've got Maggie's. Where do you fall? I, I feel that somewhat it goes under the, like, like the, the term elevated horror. I feel that it somewhat goes under the same as art, art house, <laughs> but just maybe that. The, the films that are elevated horror are more like uh, mainstream art house for everyone to consume. Yeah. So that mm. that's actually what I was going to just bring up. And I'm kind of glad you went in that direction. Is So would you guys all say that if there was something to define the two genres, it would just be the era that they're made? Because obviously the elevated horror aspect they follow a very similar and like we've discussed before um presentation and the genre is defined by like you know those long shots very like good use of colors and uh expands a lot on like human psyche or emotions stuff like that as opposed to just what uh showing a lot of gore which some of these do but uh you get my drift with art house a lot of people like Maggie was discussing a lot of that was made before way in the past where it, it, it was more defined to a different era in time. Now, am I wrong in thinking that or you're absolutely, is that, is that correct? No, you're absolutely not wrong in thinking that because I've also thought that, well, maybe these elevated horror films are like the modern grindhousey, arthousey exploitation films that we have today that are more mm. public consumed. Uh, that are, uh, do you get my drift? Like I, I feel, I feel I have, I'm in the same wavelength as you are. That I, I def, I definitely agree that you, you are not on the wrong foot there. I, I, I agree with what you just said. What about uh, Maggie? Do you think what I said was kind of correct? Sort of. I um sort of. Yeah. I, I just kinda a lot of times think of art house as its own thing. And do okay, do you guys think then in a roundabout way that in the future, maybe, like a couple more years from now, that the genre will change again and it will be called something else? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's kinda it's kinda already changing like into like uh like like social commentary horror in a way well like, social commentary I, I feel, horror has always been a thing i mean a lot of horror is yeah, socio-political yeah. yeah yes so like what i mean is like you have these horror films today that are all about social problems like you have uh, like men for instance and bodies 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 and then 
like it there will always be, there will always be horror films that adapt to a certain generation um so i feel like like, like yeah I, no, actually i think i understand what you're saying Janko. yeah i kind of get it because it's it's still hovering on elevated horror but it actually kind of feels like it's going a little bit above that surface yeah. um you know, breaching what it was, maybe becoming something else. One thing that I find really fascinating based on, you know, what, how these labels change over time and how people even view the horror genre over time is, um, the other day I was watching Eli Roth's history of horror mm-hmm. series, particularly, um, the, the two part slasher episode. And according to a few of the interviews and apparently, you know, Siskel and Ebert, even had clips in there as well that there were clips taken of that is um there seems to be this argument that the horror genre was more quote unquote honorable whatever that means until it was like inundated with a whole ton of slasher genre subgenre films during the 1970s and i'm sure maggie has a whole ton of things to say about that whether <laughs> agreeing or disagreeing with that but because um, that's my era <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's your one of your favorite um, eras right uh, so yeah, um, yeah it is no i, I that that i i i definitely agree because you have like horror has always been adapted has always evolved through certain decades and like yeah, through the 90s where the slashers basically died and it got revived again with Scream and then in the 90s you had more like thrillers like, uh, psycho thrillers and such um, a lot but... of movies with enigma chanting yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it definitely seems like the erotic thriller was more of the 90s thing is that what you were kind of getting at right there oh yeah yeah like yeah I think uh, meta horror really became a thing when scream came out that kind of mm. self-aware know what it is kind of thing 2000 was depressing for horror 2000 was a hell of a drug what can i say <laughs> for everything 2000 <laughs> i think for, for every every single genre of yeah. movie at that time yeah although in terms of meta horror you had shadow of the vampire which is fucking yes. excellent the movie is amazing yeah and I, I think like self-aware horror was kind of around before then, but it wasn't to the extent that Scream really put into it, that it, it became more of its own kind of thing. But I, I would say that, <clears throat> oh, I know one movie that's a good example of art house horror, and it's one that you know a lot about, Matthew. Oh, really? Ganja and Hess. Oh, yes. Ganja and Hess. That was... That was literally a trip. It is impressive. Because that would be considered art house horror, I believe. I, I, I think that's art house. Yeah, you could you could definitely make that argument for sure. Just like the whole surreal aspect of it. The whole permeable truths that happen in there. Like there is a there's obviously a very solid story, but it's very dreamlike. It's almost like a uh, hallucination as it's been described before but um there's a you know there's a straightforward story about this professor you know this black professor who gets stabbed with a dagger that infects him essentially with vampirism but then there's all these dream sequences and you know again like hallucinations of like these 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 mythic states but also um a lot of archetypes of christianity and whatnot in there as well but f- yeah, for sure, I could definitely see the art house 
look or not even look but the, you know the mentality behind that mm-hmm. it definitely has a whole experimental vibe to it i, I love that yeah. movie and i was introduced to it through uh uh film noir i would never have known about it until like i i watched it and i was just like oh i have to check this out and yeah it's pretty cool yeah i remember you got really i have that. one more thing sorry to cut you off i just thought of this question i really don't want to lose it is and I almost think this is a good way to end off the conversation too. I'm looking at the elevated horror like list of movies that kind of fall to that appropriate um, genre title. And a lot of things that I'm noticing is those directors are kind of around the same age, right? Do you mm-hmm. think that when they make a horror film, they're in their mind also thinking like, I'm going to make something that's elevated horror, like I've got this genre in my head? Or are they making a horror film just based off of the stuff they consumed growing up uh, at that age. Does that make sense? Like they're making I, I, horror based off yeah, of the stuff they absolutely. consumed yeah. when they were like growing the, up. And this is the result of that. Yeah. And it just happens to make a genre like, yeah. based off of uh, that output, you know? Yeah. You kind of write mm. what you know. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm um, just now think I'm just now thinking about Quentin Tarantino and all the things that he grew up with and how it, it went into Quentin, his films. Quentin Tarantino is not fair because he like lived at a movie theater. So. <laughs> fair enough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but but it, it makes sense. It's, it's like they're following a template and like that's how they view as horror should be made. Or, or, uh, or some, their new vision of horror, right? Mm. I yeah. think... Yeah. It's almost like I I do wonder if it's not a deliberate thing. That's my biggest thing is like, I wonder if it's just, they're just making what they think horror should yeah, be. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I think. Well, like they're trying to what, like reinvent the genre essentially? Is that what you... No, it's, it's just like, I think, I think uh, it's more that it's like self-awareness that it's uh, like, like subconsciously they're just making it this way because they feel that that's right well i mean without thinking about it you have to think about well what what media did they grow up consuming was it Mm. like what films were their influences right and then from there you can kind of see maybe where they're coming from like i'm trying to think of like a good one like i know i mentioned hereditary i'm trying to think of like one with like more of like a socio-political like charge in it right now. Well, you've um, got I things guess... like under the skin, and uh, it comes at yeah. night. Mm. That I hate. I don't like either of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love Under the Skin. It's a good film. <laughs> I hate it Under the Skin. Oh my god! I didn't you know what? Like Enemy is Enemy's on this list for some reason, and I don't see that as a horror film. Enemy, the one with yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I would consider that a thriller. Like yeah, a th- like too. a thriller, but I wouldn't consider that a horror film. Neither would I. That's it's actually fascinating that you mention the difference between a thriller and a horror film because when I was looking at the slasher, the the second part of the slasher episode of History of Horror, there's this whole question of whether something like Silence of the Lambs would be considered, and they didn't actually use it like if it would be considered elevated horror mm-hmm. because you know the main you know hollywood industry wouldn't want to honor some apparently wouldn't want to honor something of the horror genre so it's like oh this is a this is totally a thriller and you know it goes back to the whole genre being looked down 
on sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you have to have a really good pair of glasses when you're looking at thriller and horror because that argument in itself is just like, what is the difference between a thriller and what's the difference between certain horror? Because oftentimes it's like you can see the exact same genre right right there. Yeah. I've always considered yeah, thriller yeah, just sure. a horror subgenre. Um, it may not be like straight, like in your face horror, but there is something about it that can be horrific. Like I would say, like thrillers example, are maybe more slow burn than than conventional. It depends horror, on the movie. Like you mm-hmm. can think of the movie Fear with like Mark Wahlberg, and I think it was, um, oh, what's her name? I can't think of her name. But where he stalks her family and everything, like, it's a thriller. But at the same time, I can see it as horror also. And I think Night of the Hunter falls in that. Not Night of the Hunter. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Please cut that. Um, Cape Fear. Cape Fear is one of those. <laughs> oh, good good example. Yeah. Like, like, in particular, the remake. Yeah, that's, a th- that's definitely a thriller in my mind. I, yeah. But I consider it a horror film. That you just said you consider it a thriller. Yeah. So yeah. that's one that really toes the line of thriller and horror, in my opinion. You know what's a good example of this whole conversation too, Jango, mm-hmm. is the movie that I made you watch, the Korean film Burning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we had a discussion about that, about whether, you, whether it had, if it was a horror film or a thriller, because it definitely went into horror territories mm. um, psychological would be yeah. the defining genre in that yeah. if you had to put it in horror but yeah absolutely another fantastic but, film oh yeah it's great uh, great recommendation as always i still need to see that one <laughs> it's it's really good i don't know if matthew's seen it have you seen that one matthew? no I ha- i've definitely not seen that one that's a good yeah you you both should go watch that one it's, it's quite good i honestly i don't know what maggie will think of it because i never know you never know which way it'll go put is with yeah i never yeah. know most of the time i've been pretty good with recommending yeah. new stuff some but. people have a hard time with it some people get really intimidated by it i don't know why because i'll watch anything you know what though if i <laughs> if i think about it I usually recommend you stuff that I think you'll hate. So <laughs> I think uh, if I recommend you something that you like, like this, then I might get burned. But who knows? I just think that you just have to pay, for Maggie, you just have to pay attention to like the kinds of things that, you know, like that, that you like or that you find interesting. And also, like, you know, look at the things that you yourself personally find interesting. And there's, you know, you can find that correlation there. I was about to say I'm not as hard to recommend movies to as people think. Like, like people, you'll people watch anything. People always make yeah, I'll watch anything. It doesn't matter if it's like low budget crap filmed on a phone in someone's backyard or if it's like some billion dollar movie, I'll watch it. You know? Mm. So That's true. It's not hard to recommend you something, but it's just hard to recommend you something that you haven't seen. That's the <laughs> tricky part. No. Especially from the nineteen seventies. Yeah, I've seen a lot there. Uh, I I thought this was a really good conversation about uh, elevated horror. Um, honestly, thank you for being on the show, uh, Matthew, because you you shone some lights on the subject that made my brain really go into overtime and think about it differently. Um, and then I managed to ask these guys some better questions because of it. So having you on the show was great. Thank you very much. 
No problem. It was an absolute pleasure. These are a lot of topics that I've been thinking about myself, and I just I love having the excuse or the reason to actually talk about some of these elements with other people well versed in this genre. You know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this is the Absolutely. best movie conversation I've had for like a couple months, actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's excellent. Uh, where can people find you? Because you've got a blog and uh, some other stuff going on for you. I'm where, by the way, like always, we're going to link it in the description. So just tell them, tell them where you are on the internet there. Well, primarily with regards to the horror genre, weird films for that matter, you know, which I guess like you go into Grindhouse and all that stuff. Grindhouse and the art house, that liminal space between them. I have a blog called The Horror Doctor. Good. And it's basically thehorrordoctor.ca. So I'm a Canadian guy. And um, yeah. (laughs) It's just me and you. (laughs) That is, I also have um, another blog. Like primarily I talk about horror and the horror doctor, hence the name. I have have another blog called uh, Mythic Bios, which is at matthewkirschenblatt.ca. And you can also find some of my other stuff at um, another uh, website called Sequart Magazine. They do some fine work. They look at a lot of comics-related stuff, but also films. And I've written some stuff on, um, on you know, on Jordan mm-hmm. Peele's Us, for example. So, yeah, these are some of the places in which you can find me. But most the the body of my work on horror again is at horrordoctor.ca well it sounds uh, like you're a bit of a comics guy so when Janko and I finally have the opinion on comic books I would love to have you on because I uh, my whole life I was an avid comic book collector I have a ridiculous amount of comic books back in Canada with my dad and at one point I'll tell this little anecdote at one point I was buying comics on the days you know Wednesday comic day and I took it to the till because they just pulled it for me uh, you get to that point where you tell them what you want and they pull it um, if you're a comic book reader. And um, yeah, I got there. He's like, yeah, that's $250. And I thought, I have a problem. <laughs> so. <laughs> we 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 have similar problems. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. That's a problem I put behind me, but um, thanks to the internet, I still kind of keep up with it. So. Now, uh, one particular horror comic miniseries that I've been following for a while was one called Infidel. And it's the story about there's this apartment that was the site of a bombing, for lack of a better word, as a very post 9/11 sort of feel. Okay. And there's the you know there's this these people there that are of you know different backgrounds and they're trying to coexist and they're dealing with the demons of hatred, both figuratively and literally, trying to rip them apart. It's really fascinating. Uh, well, since it is the month of October, I have um, a recommendation I can give you if you haven't read it. Is It's actually a manga, but it's a zombie horror manga, and it's called I Am a Hero. Janko's heard me talk about this before. Yeah, I'm currently reading that. It's really good. Yeah, it's my favorite, and it's the best zombie of like fiction I've ever read in my life. It's, it's really good. There's also a movie of that. Uh... There is, yeah, actually. I've never seen it, but uh, there is a movie as well. Oh, that is really cool. I I definitely have my own love for, like, zombie genre, for sure. Yeah, they do it the best in this one, uh, honestly. And they take a twist with it that makes it more interesting. There's sort of like a uh, metamorphosis that happens with the zombies in this comic book that just makes the whole thing, like, 
acceleratingly interesting while you read it. Acceleratingly interesting Mm -hmm. and metamorphosis. I like that. But uh, yeah, so thank you again, uh, Matthew, for coming on the show. Oh, no problem. As I said, it's been an absolute privilege being invited here. And it's been great talking to everybody. And um, I'm glad that we had a really good conversation. This is really fascinating. Well, thank you for saying so. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Oh, you're very welcome. Oh, you know what time it is. to Critically Masochistic with Maggie, my little short segment where I subject Janko to a variety of bad movies, varying ranges of bad. And his last selection, he picked um, Ant Farm Dickhole. So what were your thoughts on Ant Farm Dickhole? Uh, <laughs> where to begin? Uh, it was a very cheap film. Look, looked absolute shit. It's basically about a guy who gets an ant infestation in his dick, and that's literally it. And then that person goes on a murder spree, killing lots of women for no reason. For no, for yeah, for no absolute re- reason. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's as crazy as the film title sounds like, and the the plot doesn't really move at all. It 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 feels extremely slow. Even though it's an hour and 20 minute film, and there are lots of ant puns. There are lots of fucking ant puns. Those are my favorite things about the movie. Uh, Why? It's so annoying. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) Like, once once I realized realized that that all the characters had ant in their name, like Antony, Ant Drew, I just lost it. I like... (laughs) I remember telling Mac, like, what the fuck is going on? Um, then you also have that fake penis prosthetic that also just looked weird and awkward and that that, that horrible blowjob scene. <laughs> it's yeah, not oh. a good movie, people. <laughs> and uh, this this guy, Billy Sabob, my first film by, I've seen by Billy Sabob, he likely only had his backyard as a... Uh, mm-hmm as the filming location and the park uh that was by a forest that's literally the three places yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like most of the scenes happen in the forest anyways it could have been Uh, behind his house like a scientist like a scientist woman naked in the woods you should probably tell people that you made Um, watch this movie yeah i I made mac watch this film And I, I made him share the torture with me, and I'm happy for it because I think he hates this film more. I absolutely than I hated it. I hate everything about it. Any any single <laughs> phrase of dialogue that was uttered in this movie is just terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. You have that that Russian bully who is like speaks in a very weird yeah. English accent. I don't know, or is he Scandinavian or, or something like that? Like I can't a, tell. Like a full. Yeah, he sounds Swedish or Russian or something, but it's just bad. And, uh, like, he's the antagonist of the film or whatever. And uh, then you have Billy Sabob himself, who has, like, these weird And the comedy is terrible, like, like, borderline cringe. Is cringe most (laughs) of the time. Yeah. The ants are huge. It's it's so I'm not one to say cringe very often, but that's... Yeah, no, this whole movie is just, like... I died a little inside, and if I mm. die earlier because of it, I won't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, will, are, will you ever watch him out? Unless we have to, by the powers that be of Maggie's list. <laughs> right. And... Luckily for you, yeah. I haven't seen very many. But, so, there's. I, th- I think you caught the one. I think one. the last thing I want to mention about it is the nudity. The massive amounts of nudity. Yeah. Mass- yeah. We even had a game at some point <laughs> if, like, the w- woman would go... Topless nude. And then we had that big, topless, like, and, uh, crazy I- discussion of, you have a shower scene, yet you got the actress who wouldn't take off her yeah. bottoms for that scene. <laughs> You got every other yeah. actress who didn't need to take off her bottoms, take That's off right. her bottoms, but the one for the shower, she refused. I just, it's so absolutely mind-numbingly yeah. dumb. <laughs> Even production-wise, like, that's the problem, is production-wise, you're like, okay, well, this makes sense, because he can only afford this. It's, no, he just did because he could, and it was like watching someone make all the wrong decisions yeah. out of fucking Applebee's or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, But, yeah, lastly, I just want to say there's not really much to redeem by this film other than it could be fun watching this with a couple of friends with beers or use it as a torture method for your most hated enemies. Just pick your poison. And I I love the spider at the end. doesn't make any sense, but it it, it wraps the movie up. Okay, I guess. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so, uh, we get to subject you to more bad. Maybe... Maybe Mac will get dragged into it again, and maybe he won't. So, uh, like last time, one through four. Now, two of these I actually like. They're, like, bad but good bad, and two of them are, yeah. So, which uh, which number? Uh, since I chose two last time, I'll, I'll, I'll go with three this time. You... Also, it goes without saying that I, I, I gave uh, Anne from Dickel a half star. Yeah. Uh, like, but, yeah. Oh. I, so, Me too. Just, yeah. <laughs> you uh you lucked out. You got in my opinion like a good bad movie. It's All actually right. a family film. Okay, good. It's called The oh. The Dirt Bike Kid uh from 1985. Right. It stars the little boy oh, okay. who played in a Christmas story. Wait, which little boy? The older brother or oh. the actual But yeah, so this one Peter Billingsley, I think. No. Yeah, Peter Billingsley, I think was the one who was in Maybe it wasn't him. What's or it called? He just Dirt looks like boy? him to me. I don't know. All right. Oh, did you? I, I posted it in the um. I thought he was in it. Oh yeah, he is. Okay. You can you can delete all my ramblings. Nice. But he was the boy in a Christmas story. So this one's this one's like fun, ridiculous nonsense. So hopefully you'll have a much better time with uh, this yeah, one. Cool. I've never heard of this. Mac film, could so, actually yeah, watch this one nice. with his kids, probably. True. Yeah, I might actually do that. This is one my husband showed me that he liked when he was a kid. And it is really ridiculous, but it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, everybody, if you've listened this far, thank you very much. Uh, This was a great opinion episode. And uh, obviously, you got to hear the new segments we're going to be doing on the end of our episodes, which is the critically masochistic. It's fun. I I know everybody likes to watch other people suffer. So there's that. (laughs) But uh, if you want (laughs) to get more of critically optimistic into your earlobes then just go to our um twitter and then you can see what we're currently doing and that's the best way to get a hold of us and then we're on any sort of podcasting uh, application that you could think of we're on spotify we're on apple we're on google you name it we're there 
If you want to get a hold of us by email, that's criticallyoptimisticpodcast at gmail.com. You can give us questions or even tell us that we're doing terribly or doing amazing. I'd prefer to hear that we're doing pretty good or <laughs> something like that, but hey, criticism's always good to. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Bye.